Hey everybody, welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. It's Matt here, and at the end of this episode, I'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free Journey app where you can access all of our recent message content. And actually, the app's the easiest way to share all this content with a friend and to keep up with everything going on around here at Journey. Just search Journey Calway in your app store. Now, most importantly, I hope this message inspires you to take your next step in following Jesus. Whether you're a Christian or not, we've all had enough experience with religion to know that you can sum up all religions in one word. You want to guess what that word is? I bet you'll get it right. It's the word rules. It's rules. That's pretty much how you sum up every religion, isn't it? And every religion also has this in common. When you break the rules, here's how it works. You ought to, you didn't, and so you'll pay. Now, the other thing that intrigues me about religions is many of the rules of every religion are in common. They're very similar. They're don't cheat, don't steal, don't lie, don't sleep with somebody else's spouse. Most of the rules are rules that if you and I looked at them, we'd go, well, those are good rules. Those are things I want to live by, or those are rules I'd love to follow in my life, a standard I'd like to live up to. The problem is not that all the rules are bad. The problem is the rules that religions present are rules that if we were honest, we just have a hard time living up to. We have a hard time following through. And this is the big problem with religion. Religion informs us what to do. It doesn't enable us to do it. Religion shows us what we should do. Religion doesn't give us the ability to follow through. But in the first century, Jesus stepped into this world, and when he stepped on the scene, he introduced something brand new, something very, very different from religion, something very, very different from rules. Something different from maybe even the Christianity or the version of Christianity you've had presented to you at some point. Jesus stepped into our world and he said to his followers, a new command I give you. New implying not an addition to all the other rules you're already trying to follow, but new implying I am replacing all the rules of all the religion with this one rule, with this one command. Well, what is it? A new command I give you. Love one another the way I've loved you. And then he said, by this, everyone's going to know you're my follower, by your love for one another. But if you read about the teachings of Jesus, what makes this so unique is not just that he gave us a new rule to do. It's that he also said, I am here to help you follow through. So Paul, who was one of Jesus' earliest followers, and Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament documents, and Paul, who is the person most responsible for taking the message of Jesus around the known world in the first century, This Paul spent most of his life writing letters explaining to people who were following Jesus how Jesus would help us to follow through on what he had asked us to do. All of Paul's writings, if you read them, are really just an explanation of how to live out this one command Jesus gave us, to love one another the way Jesus has loved us. Now, why would Paul spend so much time writing that? Because our follow-through problem was Paul's follow-through problem. He had an issue following through as well. As a matter of fact, we've talked about it as we've gone throughout this series. Paul himself said, I get so frustrated because I can't do the things that I want to do, and I keep doing the things that I say I don't want to do. I know the the rules, if you will. I know my standard. I know it's good. I know how I should live. I just can't seem to follow through and make it happen. And it frustrated Paul to the point that he began to search for what was at the root of the problem. And here was his explanation. The root of the problem, Paul believed, was it inside of you and me, something has been broken. In other words, that we are not the way God originally designed, created, and intended us to be. That there is a sinful nature in all of us. That when sin entered the world, 
It brought with it sorrow, suffering, sickness, disease, and death. And it didn't just break creation. It broke something inside of you and me that there are now desires in us God never intended for us to have, that our sin nature, it is too strong for any human to tame. It is too powerful for any human to discipline, that our sin nature has a control over us, and it is the only explanation for why we keep doing things we don't want to do and we don't do things we want to do, while we make choices that we know are self-sabotaging. They're not in our own best interest. But Paul believed he had discovered the solution. And as we've seen throughout this Me versus Me series, he realized that the solution for the battle going on inside of you and me was Jesus. Specifically, that when we begin to follow Jesus, this happens. Here's the way he put it. And this has been the statement, the verse, the sentence that we've come back to over and over again in this series. He said, for sin shall no longer be your master. If you're following Jesus, sin shall no longer be your master. You don't have to listen to that sin nature anymore. Sin can whisper, sin can call, sin can tempt, sin can stir up emotions, but you don't have to do what your sin nature says. Sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law. When you follow Jesus, you are now under grace. In other words, what Paul taught is that when Jesus died on the cross, two extraordinary things happened. Jesus freed you and me from the penalty of our sin. The penalty of sin is death. You know this. Wherever sin goes, death follows. But Jesus also freed us from the power of sin, from this sinful nature, the power of this sinful nature that tends to control us and drive our lives and our actions and our thinking. Paul said, nope, you have a new freedom when you begin to follow Jesus. Sin's not your master anymore. You're not under the law. You're not under the rules anymore. You don't have any rules to follow. Now you are living under grace. And grace isn't rule-based. Grace is relationship-based. So how do you, uh, you and I live this out? How do you and I follow Jesus in such a way that we begin to live more and more the lives that he designed for us to live and we follow less and less? The calling, the temptation, the drive of the sinful nature that you and I have lived with. Well, Paul, in a letter to Christians in Galatia, dove into what it looks like to live not relating to God in a rule-based manner. That's how it was presented to most of us, wasn't it? Well, here's a list of rules. Paul says, no, no, no. Jesus didn't come and introduce 100 rules, 50 rules. He didn't even come and introduce 10 rules. It was one simple rule, and that rule was relational in nature. You're not living under rules anymore. You're living under grace. Grace is entirely relationship-based. You can't experience grace without a relationship. So Paul writes to the Galatians and says, I want you to stop thinking about following Jesus like it's a list of rules you got to check off. Instead, I want you to start thinking about it as a relationship. And I want to share with you as we wrap up this series today what he said, because this is the key, I believe, to living day in and day out where you are living not as if sin is your master, but where you are living under grace. Here's what he wrote in Galatians chapter 5. He says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh or the desires of your sinful nature. Now, let me just pause right here for a second. When he says walk by the Spirit, first of all, we'll come back to this. That sounds really relational. But he would say this because Paul taught that when you become a follower of Jesus, God does something extraordinary for you. He places his spirit within you. The same spirit that had the power to raise Jesus from the dead is now living inside of you if you're a follower of Jesus. Which means when you and I find ourselves going, well, I just don't think I'll ever change that about myself. I don't think I can ever be different. I'm never going to get over that. I'm never going to get past that. I just can't change. 
You know God's shaking his head going, are you kidding me? I gave you my spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You have the exact same power, divine power inside of you. So of course you can change. Of course I can change. But we have to learn, according to Paul, what it means to walk by the spirit. And walk by the spirit sounds really relational. Walk by the spirit doesn't sound rules-based at all. Walking by the spirit is more about connection. It's more about communication. But he says, if you'll learn how to do this, you will not continue to listen to, to gratify, to follow, to choose the desires of your sinful nature. So he begins to unpack what this looks like. Here's what he says. For the flesh, he's talking about our sinful nature, desires what's contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Paul says, okay, here's the explanation. Here's why there's this constant tension. Here's why you're, you're your own worst enemy and I'm my own worst enemy. Here's why there's this battle of me versus me. Paul says, it's because there's a conflict going on inside of you. There is a conflict. There is a war. There is a battle happening. How do you win that? He says, well, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You're not under the rules anymore. If you're led by the Spirit, it's an entirely different way of relating to God. So, let me see if I can explain this to you in a way that makes sense. Imagine what would happen in my marriage, what would happen in my relationship with Jen, if I approached my marriage and tried to, to live within my marriage from a rules-based perspective. Can you imagine if every day I got up and I pulled out a piece of paper and I was like, all right, well, Jen's giving me 10 rules. If I can just follow these 10 rules today, I think everything will be good in my marriage. Now I get to the end of the day and I'm like, check, check, check. Oh, blew that one today. I'll try better tomorrow. You know, check, check. Can you imagine what kind of marriage would I have if it were based on rules? Well, you know, I wouldn't have much of a marriage at all. Eventually, I wouldn't have a marriage, would I? Because any relationship that is approached from a rules-based perspective is not going to be a relationship that's marked by intimacy, connection, commitment, or communication. No. In my marriage, it's not rules-based. It's entirely relationally driven. So in my marriage... What makes a great marriage, what makes our relationship stronger is when we have communication. It's when we spend time together. It's when we're connected with one another. It's when we're making sure that we're listening to the other person. And you know what happens over time in my marriage is I pursue not rules. I just want to be perfect with the rules. No. What happens in my marriage is I pursue a relationship with Jen is that she changes me. That's what happens. She changes me. The closer I get to her, the more I know her, the more I love her, the more influence she has in my life. And she changes me over time. How do you change you? How do you deal with the battle going on inside of you? How do you change the desires that you have? And maybe you're good at monitoring your behavior. Maybe you're good at filtering your words. Maybe you make sure most people don't see what you really think, what you really want to do at times inside. But how does your heart change? It's one thing, you know, laws, you put laws into place, you put rules into place, they modify behavior, don't they? But they don't change the heart. How's your heart change? Well, it changes when you begin to pursue Jesus from the standpoint of this is a relationship. This is not someone I'm just trying to check off some rules. And when you approach and invest in your relationship with Jesus from that perspective, 
then he begins to change you. This is what Paul alludes to, just a few verses down. And this may be familiar to some of you. Well, look at what Paul says. He says, if you're following by the Spirit, if you're led by the Spirit, if you're making this relational, then the fruit of the Spirit, or the result of you having a relationship with God, the result of you pursuing this from a relationship standpoint, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, for some of us, we read that and go, oh, oh, okay, there's my to-do list. All right, well, let me just write all these down. I'll, I'll take it from here, God. Let me see if I can just be better at these things. And Paul's going, no, no, no. This isn't a to-do list. This isn't, okay, here's your goal. Now, you go try to get better at that, and you work really, really hard at having a little more joy today, being a little more patient today. No, no. This isn't about rules at all. This is the byproduct of a relationship. You see, you don't try harder to produce fruit. You're like a branch connected to a tree. Okay, The branch has zero ability to produce fruit unless it's connected to the vine, unless it's connected to the tree. But if you stay connected, then the life of that tree flows through the branch and it produces fruit on its own. The branch doesn't do anything to produce the fruit. It's just staying connected so the life can flow through it and the fruit can be produced. And this is Paul's point. This is Paul's point. Fruit is produced in and through us. It's not produced by us. So the change that God wants to bring about in your life, the change he wants to make in your heart, you say, I wish I was more loving. I wish I had more joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Paul says, okay, well, the way you get there is not by trying harder. The way you get there is not by putting together a big plan and saying, okay, well, my effort's going to make this happen. He says, no, you need to understand that is the fruit of God's Spirit at work in you. That God will produce those qualities in you if you will simply pursue a relationship with Him. And the closer you get to Him, closer I get to Jen, the more she changes me, the closer I get to God, the more he changes me. It is a byproduct of the connection. It's a byproduct of the commitment to one another. Paul continues. Here's how he concludes this. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus, those of us who are followers of his, well, we've crucified the flesh or the sinful nature with its passions and desires. We've talked about this throughout this series. And then he says, since then, we live by the Spirit. Here's our responsibility in all this. Matt, shouldn't I do something? Yeah, you should do something. Here's what you should do. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. What's my responsibility in changing me? Well, it's to pay attention to what God is trying to do in and through you. It's to stay in step with Him. It's to stay in rhythm with Him. It's to keep walking with Him. It's to continue to pursue Him. Your job is to pay attention, to stay in step to keep in step, to cooperate with what God is trying to do in you and in me. Your responsibility is not to change everything about you. You do not have the power on your own to change all the desires in your heart. But your Heavenly Father does, and He will, if you will keep in step with Him and cooperate with what He's trying to do. So, let me summarize this for you. Following Jesus is about keeping in step instead of following the law. It's about relationship 
not rules. Following Jesus isn't about, oh, man, I did it again. Oh, I did it again. Oh, I didn't follow that rule today. Oh, I didn't follow that rule today. Well, I'm always, I guess, going to break a rule until I get to heaven one day and die, and then I won't disappoint God anymore. No, no, no. That's not what it means to follow Jesus. It's not about the rules. It's about the relationship. It's not about, oh, no, I did it again. It's just, okay, well, I got out of step. Okay, I got distracted. Okay, I wasn't paying attention. I didn't cooperate that time. But I'm going to get back in step now. I'm going to get back in rhythm. I'm going to start cooperating again because I want God to do everything in me and through me that he wants to do. So let's talk practically for a minute. What's it mean to pursue a relationship with God? What's it look like to push aside the rules and stop thinking about, well, I got to do this or not do this to please God, and instead just think about it like a relationship between a father and a child. Well, if you want your relationship to grow with God, it's like any other relationship. You need some time with, don't you? Because time together has the ability to make a relationship better. You know that. The more time you spend with someone, greater the opportunity to grow closer together. Some of you don't have any intentional rhythm in your life to spend time with God. And what I mean by that there's nothing mystical. I just mean you have never developed a habit in your life of consistently sitting down, maybe reading a little bit out of Scripture of what he has to say to you, of talking to him, of praying, of listening to him. You don't have that rhythm in your life. And so it's very sporadic when you actually spend time focused on God, listening to God, talking to God. And because of that, your relationship isn't what it could be. And because of that, you're not staying as connected to him as you should be for him to produce and develop the fruit in you that he wants to produce, to bring about the change in you that he wants to bring. So one of the ways you pursue a relationship is you just decide you're going to spend more time together. When you met, or if you're single, when you meet someone that you're so interested in, that you fall in love with, you just can't get enough time with them. You want to be with them because you want to get to know them better. You want to keep growing closer together. Well, the same thing's true with God. Maybe for some of you, the next step is, I'm just going to be more intentional about spending time with God. For some of you, it may be, I'm going to be intentional about talking to him. You see, you and I, we all have the same tendency. It's, okay, I get started with my day and I'm going so fast that you run through the entire day and you never pay any attention to whether God's at work in you or around you or if God's trying to say something to you. So maybe for some of us, what we need to do is create some type of reminder that every hour, every so often throughout the day, it causes us to hit pause and go, okay, God, I'm in the middle of my day doing all of this, but what are you doing around me? What are you doing in me? God, is there something you want to use me to do? Is there something you want to say to me or teach me? God, I've been interacting with all these people, but is there some way you want me to encourage them? Is there somebody you want me to reach out to? God, I'm going into this situation. I'm trying to figure out what to do and what decision to make. God, can you give me some wisdom on this? Imagine if we got to the point where we walk through our day as if we were confident Jesus was actually with us. And it was the kind of friendship where no matter what happened, we found ourselves, just like we do with other friends, turning to Jesus and talking to him about what's going on all throughout our day. Our relationship would certainly go stronger if we did that. For some of us, pursuing a relationship with God means we have to trust for. We have to trust him for the fruit that he's going to develop in us. We have to trust him to make the change that we most want to see made. 
in us. Some of us need to stop trying to prove to him that we're good enough on our own. The reality is we are not, and you know that. That's why you're trying to prove it to God, because deep down inside, you already know I'm not good enough. What if we stopped trying harder, and instead we said, I'm just going to pay attention and stay in step. I'm going to try to keep walking with you today, God. And I won't get it right. I won't be perfect. But when I get out of step, I'm going to get back in step as quick as I can. And I'm just going to trust you to do in me the things that you want to do. I'm going to cooperate with you. And I'm going to trust you to do through me the things that you want to do. And I'm going to cooperate with you. The reality is, in some ways, this is a whole lot harder approach to following Jesus. I'll tell you why. Rules are easy. They are. They're not easy to follow. We break them all the time. But rules are easy in the sense that, well, now I've just made it black and white, and right there it is. And I've got my 10 rules or my 5 rules or my 20 rules, whatever you've got. And I can just check those off, and if I check those off, I can go on about my business because it's not really relational, is it? When it's rule-based, well, I'm just trying to stay within the boundaries, but other than that, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And when I step outside the boundary, well, I'll say I'm sorry, and then I'll get back in, but it's, it's pretty easy. I can be pretty self-centered and follow some rules. But I cannot be that way. You cannot be that way. When it's relationship-based. If I'm pursuing God from a relational standpoint, if I'm trusting him to bring about the change in me that I can't bring on my own, that requires me to pay attention. That requires me to lean in. That requires me to listen. That requires me to spend time with. That requires me to trust. That's a much bigger investment of my time. It's a much bigger investment of my life. But there's also a much greater payout. There's also, on the other side, we become the people that we most want to be. We become the people that God created us to be. So, you can go through your life relating to God from a rules-based perspective. A lot of people do that. A lot of us have had God presented to us that way. But if he is rules-based to you, he'll never be personal to you. If he's rules-based to you, you'll never relate to him as a perfect, loving, heavenly father. Jesus did not come and die on a cross and rise again, so you'd be better at following the rules. He died and rose again so you could have a relationship with your heavenly father, so you could be adopted and a part of his family. That's why he came. So, as we're wrapping up this series, here's what I'd love for you to do. Would you take a few minutes with family? Would you take a few minutes with friends, maybe with your small group, and start processing this and your thoughts? Let me give you a couple questions to get you started. Has your perspective on faith been more about obeying rules or following Jesus? Has it been more rules or relationship-based? And then here's the second question. How would you approach change differently if you cooperated with God instead of trying harder? You know, you, you wish you were more loving. You wish you had better control of your temper. You wish you didn't gossip so much. You wish you didn't struggle with lust the way that you do. You wish you could break that habit. You know, the things that you do that you don't want to do and the things you don't want to do that you do, if you're trying to get all that sorted out. How would you approach changing those things differently? If you stopped looking at it, like, I just need to try harder. 
And instead, you start looking at it as, how can I cooperate with God and the change he wants to bring about inside of me? The reality is we all understand Paul's frustration when he said, I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things I want to do. What is wrong with me? We get that. We get that. We understand the battle of me versus me. We know what it's like to be our own worst enemy. Paul says that's because of your sinful nature and mine. But we don't have to stay that way. Jesus freed us from the penalty and the power of our sin nature. We can be free. Sin is not your master anymore because you are not under law. Here's the greatest news of all. You are under grace. Let me pray for us. Father, would you help us? It's so hard. Would you help us to shift from just trying to follow rules, thinking of you as the judge, as the principal, as the master who's just saying, well, here's, here are the behaviors that are good and here are the ones that are bad. And instead, help us to understand Jesus didn't die and rise again so we'd be better at following rules. He died and rose again so we could have a relationship with you. And then he said, okay, I want to enable you to live the way God created you to live. Just walk by my spirit. I've placed him within you. Let him lead you. God, help us to know how to do that. Teach us how to pay attention, to stay in step. And to do that, we've got to lean in and spend more time with you. We've got to talk to you. We've got to trust you to do in us what only you can do. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your promise to us that we can be the people you created us to be. That we don't have to live our entire lives in this battle of me versus me. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you'd take a moment to rate and review this podcast, it would really be helpful. And if you live near our church, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our phenomenal children and student environments, just visit us at journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Look forward to seeing you soon.